you today, and I just want to say thank you so much, Pastor Hovey, and thanks to all of you for letting us pop in such short notice and give a report. Um, I, it was really very short notice, but uh, your pastor was very gracious, and you all have been more than gracious to us. And we want to say thank you for the support and the kind encouragement that you all have offered to us. Uh, your pastor was very encouraging to me when we spoke a few months back, uh, just as I shared my heart about some of the new things that we're doing. And he said, we're for you, and you can't know what that means to a, uh, a minister, a missionary, as uh, he's going out to do what God has called him to do. We need those who will hold those ropes, as uh, William Carey said, and uh, kind of support us. And uh, we, we just feel royally blessed to be connected with this church, and we thank you so much for your faithful support and prayers as we serve the Lord. I just got back uh, from uh, Mongolia. We were there for, I was there for two weeks with Dr. Bill Patterson. We were working on the Bible translation, but also meeting with the churches that we helped start and uh, with some of the Bible college students. And uh, the Lord is really blessing there. And I'd just like to give a report that uh, things are growing. Things are continuing on. Uh, we're seeing new people saved there. Uh, we're seeing that the national pastors are just coming into their own and continuing to grow their ministry. And I was just thrilled to, to, to be there and visit what God is doing. Uh, Honol Baptist Church is, is continuing on for the Lord. God is really blessing there. The Bible translation work is going very well. We were able to finalize four books. Uh, so we're at that stage now that we're going to begin finalizing these books that we've been working on and regularly sending them up to Trinitarian Bible Society in London to be typeset. And so you pray for that. There will necessarily be some checks and rechecks that are done, uh, but we feel very confident that we have an excellent uh, formal equivalent translation for the Mongolians. And it will be the first one that they've had, uh, and definitely the first one from the uh, received text. And so you pray for us as we work through that. And I know that uh, as I was talking with some of the uh, Christians and pastors there that they're uh, really waiting for this. They're looking forward to it so much, and as they've been able to read portions, they're excited about the Bible that is coming their way. You know, we take it for granted that we have God's Word. We've had it for years and years and years, and sometimes it gets old hat, but we really ought to treasure it. And as we heard this morning in Sunday school, we ought to read it, and we ought to meditate in it. And if we'll do that, the Lord will bless us. And our family's doing well. We're traveling a lot. Um, from here, we'll be uh, up north of Austin. Pray for us. <laughs> uh, we'll be in the Dallas area and some other places visiting uh, supporting churches uh, and then heading up to Iowa and Nebraska for a couple of weeks. And uh, in the middle of all that, I'll leave my family behind and fly out to Ocala, Florida uh, for a couple of days and uh, meeting with Dr. Bloom out there. Uh, one of the board members for Baptist International Missions. We're trying to develop some new um, trainings, uh, some things that we can get into Christian schools and that parents can use to help their children uh, relearn missions. You know, we're finding that the recent generation, they don't really know much about Hudson Taylor or Adoniram Judson or William Carey or some of the things that God has done in the past uh, that are also faith builders for what God wants to do in the future. And so, I'll pray for us as we do that. Uh, of course, uh, you all know that we're highly involved in training and uh, vetting new missionaries right now. And uh, so we'll be starting those training uh, camps and programs 
uh, here in just a few weeks. The 1st of June, we'll start to kick that off. Uh, that first couple of weeks, we'll be doing candidate school for the new candidates to go out as missionaries and all the training and the vetting, and, and it's a big, big time, of, a busy time for us. And then I'll take another trip to Mongolia, Lord willing, middle of June, and be there uh, with some potential missionaries as they survey the field there. And then we'll come back for Enrichment Week, which our mission puts on for uh, furloughing missionaries, kind of help them, encourage them. So it's like a family camp for furloughing missionaries. You pray for us as we help with that. And then come July, we'll be doing our uh, training camp for college students that are looking into uh, going into the ministry. And so just pray for all of these things as God blesses. Uh, we, we need more laborers for the harvest. Truly, uh, we need to be praying what the Lord asks us to pray, that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the harvest because the need is greater than it's ever been before. And as I think about that need, and as I think of some of the older uh, folks we've looked to passing off the scene today, I, I know you all are, are celebrating the life, sort of memorializing Dr. Stanley, uh, we were listening to this beautiful song, Bow the Knee, which was written by Ron Hamilton, uh, who just recently passed, went home to glory as well. Uh, with a smile on his face, I, I saw a little video clip of uh, him and uh, Dr. Shetler was there in his room, just giving him some scriptural encouragement. And the smile on his face was a tribute to the joy of the Lord, even in suffering. And uh, he may have forgotten a lot of other things with his dementia, but he hadn't forgotten the Lord. And certainly the Lord had not forgotten him. So now he's gone on to his reward, and we think of ourselves, and now more and more the burden of service falls to us. As these pass off the scene, and we'll all pass off at some point, uh, but we realize more and more it's up to us to carry the standard, to give the gospel, to go into all the world. And it can feel overwhelming. It can feel overwhelming. And yet, the Lord really doesn't require us to take care of all of that by ourselves. God is really just expecting us to reason things out with Him and to commit ourselves to being that living sacrifice that's wholly acceptable unto the Lord. Uh, and if we'll do that and we'll brighten the corner where we're at, right? Uh, that little children's song, brighten the corner where you are, brighten the corner where you are. Uh, that's our responsibility. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Uh, God wants us to realize that we're not responsible for the big picture. That's His job. But what we are responsible for is to commit ourselves anew to being what we ought to be ourselves. Paul said that he had uh, run his race, he had fought the fight, uh, he had uh, finished his course. I like that, that, uh, that terminology because Paul understood that there was a different course for Peter to run, and there was a different uh, lane that John was traveling in, but Paul himself had his course, his race. And that's what God expects of us. God expects us to understand that we have our part, and if we'll fulfill our part, we can rest knowing that one day He'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so with this, I want to consider these things and talk about uh, our responsibility from Romans chapter 12 and just verses 1 and 2. You all have probably memorized this. We've heard many me uh, messages on it. And it really is a, a passage that speaks of ministry. It's a passage that could be speaking of missions, but it's a passage that applies to all of us. And, uh, you know, God wants us to take stock every once in a while and, and to reason together with Him. 
Um, we, we see in the prophets where he says, let us reason together. Though your sins be as crimson, they'll be as white as wool, right? Uh, God wants to reason with us about our sin, but He also wants to reason with us about our service. And so even if you're fully in uh, right relationship with the Lord this morning, there's still some reasoning that needs to be done. I've entitled my message this morning, Let's Be Reasonable. And so let's read verses 1 and 2 here, and then we'll ask the Lord to bless the reading of His Word as we go uh, into the message this morning. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Are you looking for that good and perfect and acceptable will of God this morning? Uh, what does God expect from you? Well, if you'll commit yourself anew to Him as His living sacrifice, then He'll help you find that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this message. And Lord, uh, You know that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And You know how I've wrestled this morning uh, between three different sermons that I was wont to preach, and yet I believe that I followed Your leading in sharing from this passage. And so I pray that You would do what only You can do, that You would speak through me and, more importantly, through Your words, uh, this living book that we have before us, and that You would deal with our hearts, and Father, that You would renew us in our dedication to You. I thank You for those who have gone before as we look all the way back over 2,000 years of Christian history, those who have been faithful to You. And now we pray in these last days, Lord, surely You're coming again soon. In these last days, help us to be faithful as well, so that we might say with the Apostle Paul that we have finished our course and done it well, that we've been faithful to You, and we might receive the reward of a good steward. Lord, I pray that You would speak to us this morning in these brief moments we have around your word, and that it might sustain us and bless us, encourage us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we get into the message, I need to give you a little context, and the context of that is the, uh, the, 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 the uh, transient nature of life, the fact that our lives are really so short, aren't they? Uh, the word I was actually looking for is temporary, right? They are transient, but they're also temporary. Uh, sometimes we feel like we're just ensconced in this situation that's not ever going to, to finish. We're just going to kind of be here and be here and be here. And yet uh, we know from experience, if we'll let ourselves think for a moment, uh, we know from experience that all of life is change. Uh, I'm sure you can look back uh, five years, 10 years, 20 years, uh, maybe more than that for, for some of us. I know I can look back farther than that. I was talking with Joel just this morning, and I asked him, how old are you? He said, 18. I said, I remember being 18. Um, it's been a long time ago. Uh, I don't remember it as well as I used to, but I do remember being 18. And that was a good age, but time changes. And uh, we go through the stages and the seasons of life. And I would dare say that uh, much of your life, just like my life, uh, it has not been exactly what you'd planned. Maybe things haven't fallen out exactly as you expected. And uh, we'd like life to just sort of sit still, especially in the good times. But life is constantly changing. It's transient and it's temporary. And we need to realize that. James 4 tells us about this. 
We typically uh, want to plan our lives and we say we're going to go into such and such city and we're going to, to buy and sell and we're going to do these things. And James said, that's unwise. Uh, you need to say, if the Lord wills. And then he talks with us uh, uh, about uh, the, the temporary nature of life. If you want to read with me in, in James chapter 4, it begins in verse 13. Uh, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Wow, what harsh words. Uh, when we presume upon the future, uh, when we lay our plans in such a way that we don't include the Lord and we don't include the fact that He has His own will for our life, then these boastings and rejoicings are evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. What is James saying here? You need to commit your way unto the Lord. You need to be that living sacrifice. You need to live on the altar, so to speak, so that as God makes changes in your life, as He works in your life, you're always willing, you're always pliable, you're always His man or woman. So we think of this life that is so temporary in its nature. It appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Uh, James said it's like a vapor. And I was thinking this morning as I was drinking my coffee, that little bit of vapor coming off, it doesn't last very long, and then the cup is cool. You have to drink it while it's hot, right? Uh, life is that way, isn't it? Or maybe you like to take those long, long showers, and you get out and you can't even find the door because there's so much vapor. But I'm telling you, in just a moment, it disappears. And that's the way our lives are. And James says that we ought to consider that, and we ought to be careful. And because of that, I think we ought to take a little test this morning. Uh, just to see kind of where we are. Take stock. Uh, how are we spending our lives? And really, uh, everyone in this room and everyone in the world are in one of five categories this morning. So you ready? And don't raise your hand, okay? Uh, you know, and God knows where you are, but let's just take some stock before we look at the remainder of our, our lesson. First of all, uh, there are those in this world today that are deceived. Uh, what I just said is the farthest thing from their mind. They're not planning for the future. They're not thinking of what God is going to say when they finish their course, when their race is over, when their life is finished. They're not considering any of that. They're deceived. They've been deceived by the God of this world, and especially young people find themselves in this category. They think they're going to live forever. They may not say it with so many words, but in their minds they're thinking that. On the way to Mongolia, I was sitting uh, on the plane next to a, a gentleman, who, uh, American citizen, but he's of Mongolian extraction. And uh, he had been serving the military, very successful contractor at embassies around the world. And, uh, but he was lost, and he just didn't know what the meaning of life was. And he had had some exposure to the Scriptures. Uh, he knew some things about God and, and the Lord Jesus, but uh, he was not saved. And uh, he said, now, you know, I don't, I'm not really with the Buddhists, but I think maybe, maybe there's some way that uh, one day we'll be reincarnated and we'll, we'll be we'll be kind of a new, you know, life. We'll have another chance. And I just looked at him and I said, listen, Tamar, that was his name. I said, that's not what the Bible tells us. God says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. 
And uh, we won't go to that, white, great, that great white throne judgment as Christians, but we're going to sit before the judgment seat of Christ. And we are going to be judged as to how we have lived our life. And yet here was Tamar trying to figure life out and saying, you know, I'm halfway through uh, by all indications, and so maybe I'll get another shot. Listen, we don't get another shot. This life is going to end one day. And yet so many people the world over are deceived and they're not thinking about God. They're not preparing for eternity. They're not considering what they're going to say when this life is over. We'd be wise to remember. David said, teach me to number. Teach us to number our days. Why? So we can apply our hearts to wisdom. God wants us to be wise. So if you're a young person here and you're saying, oh, this stuff, I'll worry about it when I'm 70. Listen, in a blink of an eye, it comes. You need to worry today is the day of the salvation. God wants us to consider these things now, lest we be deceived. And so some are deceived. Then there are the distracted. I think that's probably more applicable to our crowd this morning. I know I find myself here sometimes. And that is, we know to do what's right, and we know that God needs to be more than just important. He needs to be preeminent in our lives, and yet we get so busy with life that we're distracted, and we forget that God is the most important thing, and our service to Him must be the most important thing. Uh, if someone were to approach us and ask us about our priorities, we would acknowledge that God should be number one, but we get so distracted with the work that God has given us. God does not want that for us. I think that's what James is talking about here when he said all these plans to go to a city for this and that uh, such a time and, and buy and sell. Uh, don't be distracted. Remember, life is like a vapor. And then there are some who, uh, they know these things and yet they've become entangled in some kind of sin. We could call them the debauched. And we see that more and more in our day to, today, don't we? Uh, people who are just inextricably, humanly speaking, inextricably uh, swallowed up by sin uh, that they just cannot get themselves out of. Uh, listen, we li we're living in a day when people don't even know if they're boys or girls. It's just really hard uh, to see our society getting sucked into the muck and mire of sin. And so some are debauched. And listen, there's hope. If you find yourself entangled in some secret sin, our message this morning is for you. God wants you to stop trying to improve yourself, and He wants rather for you to just give yourself up to Him. And come to Him as you are, and God will forgive you and cleanse you and deliver you and use you in a way that you couldn't even imagine. Come to the Lord, and He will free you. So there are those who are deceived and distracted and debauched, and some are just depressed. More and more we see this, young people who they're coming to the end of themselves early on and saying, what is life? Uh, it is but a vapor, and so therefore there's just nothing to live for, and they're ending their life. Suicide is up to an all-time high. Um, God doesn't want us to be in, in any of these other categories, deceived or distracted or debauched or depressed. Rather, He wants us to be in the category of the dedicated the dedicated, who have given everything to the Lord. When we realize that our lives are so short and we only get one shot at it, what should it lead us to do? It should lead us to give ourselves as a living sacrifice. That is our reasonable service. And so let's be reasonable this morning as we consider this passage. And, and know that there's not one thing in our lives that couldn't be helped by a greater dedication to the Lord. 
There's not one thing that if we gave ourselves up more fully to the Lord, that wouldn't be helped. It would help our homes. It would help our work. It would help our marriages. It would help our holiness. As we realize that we're not our own, but that rather our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost that's in us, it would help our dedication to the Lord. It would help our giving. Remember the Corinthians were admonished with the example of the Macedonians who were poor and yet rich toward God. And uh, uh, it said that they gave to their power and then beyond their power. Now that's grace. But it said that they did not just that, but first they gave themselves to God. That's why they were able to do uh, more in the area of giving is because they recognized that themselves and all that they had were really just a living sacrifice for God. It helps our love for others, doesn't it? Uh, Paul says we recognize that Jesus died for us, that we have been bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It causes us in 1 Peter 1.22 to purify our souls in obeying the truth. God will help our love, and then that's the end result of that is pure love, right? Love out of a pure heart fervently. It helps our service. Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth us. Jesus died for us, and so I must give myself to Him. And so as, as we think about these things, I want us to see three great truths from this passage that will help our dedication this morning. First of all, I want you to see that God is asking for your submission. It's a requested submission. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What is God asking of you? He's asking for your submission to Him this morning. And in fact, uh, submission is the great challenge to our lives and our hearts today. The reason why more of us are not, there are not more of us submitted and, and, and uh, sorry, surrendered to God as that sacrifice is because we're not willing to submit ourselves to His authority. It's a requested submission. Why is that? Uh, what are these mercies of God that Paul's talking about? Well, if we read the prior 11 chapters, we'll see that the unfolding plan of salvation and all the great love of God that He had toward us and the fact that He is our propitiation and He's reconciled us to Himself and we found a new place in His heavenly kingdom. And all of that is described in the freedom that we have in Christ in Romans 6 and 7 and 8. And all of this, uh, these mercies of God, this great grace, Paul said, now based on that, I beseech you by these mercies of God, Present your bodies. It's a requested submission. First of all, it's an earnest request. Uh, I can just see Paul as he writes these things on the page, and his heart, his bowels of, of mercy and compassion for this church are just being evidently poured forth. I'm beseeching you, do this one thing, please. And God is asking us the same thing this morning. You know why? Because He knows that if we'll submit ourselves to Him, that we'll find the greatest blessing. Uh, it's one of the paradoxes of Christian life. The more we give ourselves to God, the more we, we get in return. The more we are God's, the more we find life. The more we die to self, the more that we live toward Him, uh, the more beautiful life becomes. It's just one of those things that doesn't seem right, but it is definitely so. And because of that, Paul is earnestly beseeching them. It's an earnest request, this requested submission. 
It's also an essential reminder, and we've been talking about that already, but this morning, Jesus gave His all for you. We sing it, don't we? Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. We sing it, but often we forget that that's really, very really true. God has purchased us, and now He died as a sacrifice for our sins. Now He's asking that we live as a sacrifice of service. And if we'll do that, then God will bless us. He was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And I want to say it's not enough to just make lip service to this. Yes, I'm committed to the Lord. I'm surrendered to Him. I am submissive to His will for my life. It's going to be an evident relinquishment. If you're submitted to the Lord, you're going to see it in your life. Uh, that's why it says here, not your soul, not your spirit, but I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Your physical life needs to reflect your spiritual decision. That reminds me of the parable that Jesus uh, gave us in Matthew chapter 21. He said, but what think you a certain man had two sons? And he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. A rebellious son, right? But it says that afterward he repented and went. Then in verse 30, he came to the second and said, Likewise, and he answered and said, I go, sir, but he went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? And they say unto him, The first. And Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, uh, those who find repentance and then actually do the will of the Father, they're the ones who have submitted themselves. They're the ones who have relinquished themselves to the demands of Christ upon their life. And so uh, oftentimes we think that just because we say the right thing, God will be pleased with us. But He's really looking for a physical evidence of our spiritual faith. Faith is always linked to obedience. Uh, when we're truly submissive to the Lord, it shows on our countenance, it shows in our life, it shows in the decisions that we make. And so Paul says to the Romans, uh, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And that's my second point. As we understand that God is requesting, I, I could think we could say requiring our submission, we need to understand that when we yield to that, uh, our lives will be a received sacrifice. God has promised to receive us. In fact, it says here that if we'll come to God as He asks, it will be an acceptable thing. Isn't that wonderful? It's our reasonable service. Uh, first of all, we see that this is a holy thing to do. Uh, when we get saved, we realize that we experience the justification of God. God saves us and He erases, expunges our sins. Jesus paid it all. And so it's just as if we had never sinned, and positionally we are righteous before God because of Christ. We are in Him, and His righteousness becomes ours. We understand that. But then we also need to experience sanctification, don't we? It's not enough to rejoice in our justification. We must also embrace our sanctification, and we, we often fall into the trap of thinking that sanctification is separation from the world. And that is true. But that's not all that sanctification is. That's only half of it. 
Uh, sanctification is separation from the world and from sin, but it's also separation to God and His purposes for our life. That's sanctification. And so a lot of Christians hang out in this sort of middle area of limbo. They're trying to not be a part of the world, uh, but they're also not sold out to God. And, and the, the Lord Jesus calls that a lukewarm Christian. Neither cold nor hot, not really embracing the world, but also not really embracing the Lord. We don't want to be like them, but we also don't want to be like these fanatics over here. We're just going to be in this comfortable zone. Listen, there is no comfortable zone in sanctification. It's a sacrifice. Uh, it should be a whole burnt offering of our lives before the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says this, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. That's the staying away from the world part, separated from the world, separated from sin. But Ephesians 2.10 gives us the other side of it. Uh, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so we're separated from the world, but we're separated to God, And that's what it means to be this living sacrifice. And if we'll do that, we'll be received. God will find us to be acceptable in Him. 1 Peter 2.5 gives us that encouragement. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And so what, what does God require of us? It's not, it's not things. It's our life. Uh, it's not really an offering. It's our life. It's not even a place of service. It's our life. And if He gets the man, then He gets everything else. Uh, that's what God wants from us. And if we'll do that, it will be holy and it will be acceptable unto Him. And, and so we see, first of all, that there's a requested submission when we come to the requirement of God upon our life. He's asking us, submit and give our all to Him. And then we see this received sacrifice. What a blessing that a holy God will count me worthy to be a part uh, of His work. We're partners and laborers together with the Lord, and God will accept me if I'll come to Him. And then we see that Paul says this is our reasonable service. And this gets into why I titled my message, Let's be reasonable. It's reasonable to be a living sacrifice for God. Let's be reasonable this morning and really think through this together. First of all, uh, your living sacrifice is a reasonable expectation from the Lord. He's not being um, overbearing. He's not being unjust to ask for everything. Uh, It's reasonable that in that Christ died for us that we might be asked to live for God. He's not asking for a dead sacrifice. He's asking for a living sacrifice. It's a reasonable expectation of our Lord. Uh, Have you really thought about all that He's given for you? Have you thought about the cost of the cross? We just celebrated Easter, didn't we? I'm so thankful that Jesus rose again for us, but He also died for us. And uh, in that He died for us, He provided a way for us to live in a new fashion. That's why Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ living in me. That's another way for speaking of this living sacrifice. 
putting aside all of my desires and my wants and my plans and the things that I thought were important, and adopting all of His desires and His wants and His plans and His priorities for my life, and doing so whether anyone else around me is willing to. You remember Peter when he finally got right with God and he, he, he came to Jesus, Jesus feed him fish there on the shore of Galilee, and Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, of course I love you, Lord. And, and Jesus said, okay, then prove it. Feed my sheep. said that three times, and Peter was a little bit offended. But God knew what it was going to cost Peter to follow Jesus Christ. And then Jesus prophesied and said, Peter, when you were young, you went where you wanted, but when you're old, they're going to tie you and they're going to take you someplace you don't want to go. And it says there in the passage there in the last part of the Gospel of John that Jesus was trying to explain to him the kind of death that he was going to die. And at that moment, Peter's bold uh, declaration of love for the Lord wavered just a little bit, and so he did what a lot of us do. And he looked around and he said, well, what about this guy? <laughs> and Jesus said, if I wish that he would tarry till I come... What is that to you, Peter? Follow me. Now, John had to explain, because there's this myth that John couldn't die, right? And John said, Jesus didn't say he wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't die. He just said, it shouldn't matter whether or not I've asked that of him. Peter, I'm asking you to follow me. I'm asking you to sacrifice. Remember Paul. Paul took three days of fasting. He was already saved, but he took three days of realizing and hearing from the Lord what he was going to suffer. Remember Ananias came... And, and, and the Lord said, I, he's a chosen vessel, but I've told him what he's going to suffer. God's asking us to count the cost this morning. And we need to be willing to do that no matter whether there's many or few beside us. But it's a reasonable expectation of the Lord for us to commit ourselves as a living sacrifice. It's also a reasonable expression of love. Of love. Do you love the Lord? If you love Him, you're going to give yourself to Him. Uh, that's what makes the marriage relationship so beautiful. When two people love each other fully and they give themselves to each other. You know, marriage isn't this 50-50 thing that we hear about. It's really 100-100, right? Uh, you, you give your life up for your spouse and your spouse gives their life up for you. And we're not perfect in that by any means, but uh, that's a picture of the heavenly relationship we have with the Lord Jesus. He's given 100% for us. And now as an expression of love, he's not, he's not willing to receive 50% or 20% or our leftovers. He expects everything. It's a reasonable expression of love on our part. And finally, it's a reasonable expenditure for the lost. Did you know that God does not want North Bell Baptist Church to hunker down, to get in a bunker, to hide away, from what's going on out there in the scary big world. God wants us to make a difference and impact this generation. And we do it in so many little ways. At work, in our neighborhood, among our friends and family. It should be our primal objective that we are sharing the good news of, of Jesus Christ, the gospel with others, and that we are demonstrating the good news by our dedication to the Lord. And if we'll give our lives in that way, and in everything that we're doing, seek to serve Him and please Him, and, and strive with Him for the lost, then God will bless us. And, and that's a reasonable expenditure for us. Did you know that 
Uh, we're not really getting our reward down here. Have you, have you recognized that? We don't get the fame and the fortune and, and, and we don't get all of the, the, the toys down here. That's for those who have no other hope. Our treasures are in heaven. And uh, I just trust that if our work was finished, our Lord would bring all this to an end and He would take us home to heaven because things are so much better up there. We don't really believe it sometimes, but it's true. Once we get to heaven, we'll never want to go back. And the Bible says precious inside of the Lord are the death of His saints. But he, he has something for us to do. And I just believe that if He's tarrying His coming, it's because He's not willing that any should perish. And so why don't we give our lives for that purpose? Why don't we give ourselves to reaching the lost? Why don't we recognize our reasonable service, which is this living sacrifice that's being talked about? Now listen, Paul says that the danger is we'll be conformed to this world. You know, the world thinks they're the rebels. <laughs> they think they're the nonconformists. The true nonconformists in this world are those who do not go on the broad way that leads to destruction. They're the ones that turn aside into the narrow gate that leads into life. And young people don't believe for a second that if you act like the world and look like the world and dress like the world and live like the world and think like the world and tell the same jokes the world does and watch the same movies the world does and listen to the same music the world does and all that stuff, that you're being a rebel. You're just being a conformist. You're being one of the little minions that the devil has out here doing his bidding. Don't, don't fall for that. Be a true nonconformist. That's what it says here. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed. And how is that? as we come to God's Word and we allow the truth of it to renew our mind so that we might prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. I don't know what God is asking of you this morning. What I do know is that probably every one of us in this room could be a little more that living sacrifice that is acceptable to God. And by the way, it is your and my reasonable service. If you're not saved this morning, the Lord is so good. He wants to reason with you about that as well. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The Lord will wash you up and clean you up and make you worthy of the calling that He has on your life. But mostly I think the Lord is speaking to those of us who are already saved. And I would just ask the simple question, have you given your life, have you dedicated yourself as a living sacrifice? Now, th there could be those among us who are saying, Brother Richie, to the, the best of my ability, I'm completely sold out. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do in my place, serving God. Then for you, I would give you this verse from Psalm 118. Verse 27, it says, God is the Lord which hath showed us light. Praise God that you have the light to understand what life is all about. Now it says, bind the sacrifice with cords even unto the horns of the altar. What does that mean? If we look to the Old Testament, the altar had these horns. Now what were those horns for? Well, they were symbolic, but they were also functional. And uh, that 
sacrifice doesn't really want to be a sacrifice. You, you, you know that? Uh, uh, the lamb does not want to die. And so you need to bind the sacrifice on the cor- with the cords to the altar. Won't you do that this morning? Won't you say, Lord, I'm on the altar, but I want you to bind me more fully with cords of love, with cords of service, with cords of dedication, that I might be wholly acceptable unto you. And God will bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray that this simple message, which has encouraged my heart, and Lord, I fall so far short many times. I have to come to you and repent and say, Lord, I've not been 100% that living sacrifice as I should have been today. Lord, the old flesh gets in the way. Often we are distracted, Lord, from our purpose in life. But I pray that as we all just come to you, rededicate our lives, as you bind our hearts and our minds and our affections to the altar of your grace with the cords of love and duty and sacrifice, that, Father, it would be a sweet-smelling savor before you this morning. And that, Fathers, we do that, that you would multiply us. Lord, multiply North Bell Baptist Church. Multiply, Lord, their efforts for the lost. I pray that you'd just bring people along who would ask of the hope that, that is in them. And, and that, Father, you would give them opportunities to share Jesus with others. That as we die to self, that Jesus might shine through. And that, Father, you would make this, uh, as it already is, but an even greater sending station, lighthouse into the world. Thank you for the blessing that uh, this church has been to our family. Thank you for their faithfulness. And I pray that uh, you would just be pleased with our sacrifice this morning. We ask these things now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.